It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com's our main website, ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. I'm broadcasting for the seventh consecutive year at CES, what formerly was known as the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. It's the world's largest trade show each year, and the crowds are intense. The number of people that are here at CES is estimated at a base of 170,000, although I got to tell you, it seems like it's 1.7 million when you're here because there are times that you can't even see the carpet in any of the exhibit halls because there are so many people. And there are thousands upon thousands of companies, typically around 4,000 companies displaying. And people are here from more than 150 different countries around the world. It, it's funny watching the Tower of Babel of the security people trying to direct people who don't speak English at all that are here, but they do speak tech. And you may wonder, why do I come year after year to this? Why seven years running have I been at CES? Because over and over again, I've seen things that brilliant, brilliant men and women have created that ultimately come into our lives. I remember years ago seeing the first demonstrations of various television technologies that now you can walk into Best Buy or Costco or wherever and you see those TVs on display that were just absolutely mesmerizing when I saw them on the floor here. The big thing with televisions this year is 8K. Now, we don't even have any programming to speak of in 4K yet, but the TVs you buy today are generally 4K TVs, but the programming generally doesn't exist yet. But what's already here are these 8K sets, and the demo video you see is so incredibly clear, it's the equivalent of looking right through a window it's somebody on the other side of the window but let's drill down from tvs which i get all excited about every year to my friend buddy who i met two days ago here at ces buddy is a personal assistant robot and buddy can do any of a number of things one of them is to be an assistant to Let's say you have an aging relative who wants to stay in his or her own home. Buddy follows them around, allows you to see how your aging relative is doing, is able to communicate for the elderly person, is able to assist children with homework, no cheating allowed, and is able to do whatever the artificial intelligence ultimately decides that you as an end user need Buddy to do. Now what was funny though, is when I was doing a TV story on Buddy, Buddy kept messing up on commands. And that's the thing you see so much at CES. You see 
these brilliant pieces of work that have been created, but they're all works in progress, at least most of them. And I think about my mom who lived in assisted living the last several years of her life and the incredible staffing needs of assisted living facilities 24 hours a day. And you think about robot assistance and how much that's gonna be a part of care for an aging population in the United States. And my friend Buddy, just one example. Tell you one practical as could be and so dull to think about that I would talk about it. It's all the locks that are appearing now at Home Depot, at Costco, at Sam's Club, Lowe's, anywhere you buy hardware for the home. These locks work with different permutations, but I saw one exhibit from one of the mainstream lock companies that you now, instead of using a key, you can use a key if you wish, but you open the door with your smartphone. It knows you're there and it just opens the door for you. No fumbling for keys, no worrying looking over your shoulder who might be behind you, the door opens. If you need to give access to somebody to your home, you issue them a unique code. The lock then alerts you on your smartphone that somebody just let themselves in and who it was. You know when they enter, you know when they leave, and more important, if time comes you don't want somebody to have access to your home, you can turn around and invalidate that code. The amazing thing about these new locks is that they're generally a consumer install product where you or I with some amount of effort can install these things and they're available right now. So it's an example of something that I saw here three or four years ago when it was a gee whiz and now it will be mundane and routine to be in your home. One other category I wanted to talk about, you know about ring doorbells, right? I first saw those here four years ago. And now there are so many exhibitors here offering various forms of doorbell systems that are absolutely incredibly well thought out that can be self-installed by someone who's a complete techno idiot and where the ring plus doorbell takes a little bit of work a lot of the ones here on the floor are amazingly simple to install in under five minutes. And then you have the ability to see on your phone anywhere. You can be at work, somebody rings the doorbell, you see them right there, you can talk to them right there. And also fully integrated with cameras that can be part of the doorbell system or one step further, integrated with a self-installed home security system. So enormous changes occurring in how you provide security at your home and your home alerting you when anything is going on at your home. Now I wanted to mention that coming up later, we're going to have consumer reports come by. 
and we're going to get a report from Consumer Reports on who always takes a jaded look, jaded eye, at the gizmos and gadgets I get all excited about, and they're going to pour cold water on some of my enthusiasm, but discuss with you the trends of the things that are likely to be your friend moving forward. Helen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Helen. How you doing? Hello, Clark. You having a good day? I am. How about you? Great. Thank you. I'm pretty jealous. Sounds like you're having a great time, and it's probably really nice and warm in Las Vegas. <laughs> it is not. Okay, i got to tell you something funny. I've been to Las Vegas over the course of my life probably 50 to 60 times maybe more than 60 and I've never experienced what I've experienced yesterday and today pouring down rain and pretty chilly temperatures I mean like like a summer gully washer kind of rainstorm going on here (laughs) that is pretty unusual but you know what it doesn't matter because do you know what I get to see during CES what? Concrete walls, concrete ceilings. <laughs> we're, we're in these windowless convention center facilities yeah. with no windows, but so much energy and so much excitement going on. Yeah, it does sound like fun. So, Helen, what's going on with you? Well, we are going to change cell phone carriers, and um, we have an old Samsung and I heard that you can sell them on the internet, and I looked at several sites, um, and we can get, you know, 50 bucks or so, and um, I wondered if this was safe, and how do I erase everything from my phone first? So I'm going to give you the book answer, and then I'll tell you that all the techies say the book answer isn't enough, so I got to tell you the the first, and then I'll tell you the paranoid. So you can go on a Samsung, an Android there's a place where you go to about phone under your settings mm-hmm. and, and you do uh, re- factory reset or full factory reset or reset to factory settings or something like that. And what that does is that wipes at base everything on the phone to the point that it will just be startup for somebody else. Oh, okay. Now, techies would say that someone who's really into forensics would be able to go in and dig deep and find stuff on there. But how much, as a practical matter, Helen, have you used this phone for that there would be things on there that somebody would want to engage in digital espionage? No. So don't worry about that. If you just do the factory reset, uh, there's one thing you can do also locally. Have you ever seen an Echo ATM C-O-A-T-M. So a lot of malls have them, a lot of retail stores have them, and you're able to go in there, you put the phone into it, and it evaluates the phone and makes an offer to you right then and there what they'll pay you for the phone. You don't have to send it off to anybody or anything like that. So what I like is you've already got prices. Isn't that easy? You already have prices for people you would send it off to. Mm-hmm. And I've got a guide at, uh, at Clark.com of all the different people you can get prices from. And once you have those prices, go check out an Echo ATM. If they offer you 
equivalent, you're done. Oh, that sounds easy. Cool. It is pretty easy. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you And by so the much way, I wanted help. to tell you something mm-hmm. that they're showing here at CES. Yeah. There's an Android phone that has been introduced that's the one that the techies are the most excited about. It's called the Honor 7X. And it retails at $199, has a six-inch screen, a fast processor, and apparently a decent front and back camera. Wow. But it only works for... a good deal. It is a good deal, but it only works for T-Mobile, AT&T, and other companies that use either of their networks. But it is a deal. And so when you're looking to buy a phone the thing that's happened in the cell phone market so much media coverage so much attention so many ads for the latest samsung that's like a thousand dollars an iphone that's a thousand dollars and google pixel that what is that seven eight hundred dollars all the very very expensive phones the sweet spot in the market for most people is 200 to 300 dollars to buy a phone the capabilities may be where state-of-the-art was 18 or 24 months ago. Plenty good enough. You're getting a great thing and a great value for your wallet. Mike is with us on the Clark, Hi, Clark. Howard Show. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Oh, great, Clark. Um, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate all the great information I've gotten from you over the years. Well, thank you so much. What's going on? Well, you've talked in the past about not answering calls or texts from unknown senders. However, my wife and I own a small business, so we do have to answer basically every call. Um, It could be a client. Um, I've used the Haya app to block calls after I find out that they're spam, telemarketers, whatever. But a lot of times uh, those calls will show up with a local area code, and I know you've also talked about spammers being able to change the number displayed. So I'm wondering if I block that, that what appears to be a local number, um, am I wasting my time? Am I blocking out what could later be a, a good number when they're not uh, potentially overriding it? Yeah, isn't that a terrible problem? You know, every time we try to come up with a way to deal with the junk callers, they come up with another way to get around. I mean, and for people who aren't aware right. what Haya does, what it does is, is they learn that numbers are those being used by scammers, telemarketers, whatever. They alert you, and it's really neat. And, you know, I've got the thing where it'll tell me suspicious caller or whatever kind of alert it puts up, and then I know to avoid that call. So here's the hard part. So you could allow a call that you don't know who the caller is to go to voicemail. But if you let a potential first-time client go to voicemail or first-time customer, they may not leave a message. Uh, right. who, who knows? And you could lose potential revenue for your business. So right. today, Mike, I don't have an answer for you if they call our ID spoof. They're using a local area code number. And I think you're going to have to just put up with answering calls that could be junk phone calls because you can't afford to risk losing revenue for your business. Okay. 
Yeah, I just thought I'd see what the latest um, was on that, and I appreciate that um, update then. And isn't it weird? Do you know someone could take today, and and I don't want to get into how they do it because I don't want to encourage this, but they could take any number and make it appear on caller ID as any other number they wanted to. And that's how so many people have been taken by those IRS scams. Gotcha. So... Um, continued success in your business, and I wish I had the silver bullet for you, but unfortunately, I don't. Okay, well, maybe you'll find it at the CES this year or next year. I'll do the best I can. It's great to have you join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. You can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. I'm at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Each day I'll be doing a Facebook Live from CES, and we have one coming up in a couple of hours. Squeezed in after radio, before TV, as we do wall-to-wall media coverage, every format possible from CES. You may wonder, why does any of this matter if you're not into gadgets, if you're not a tech kind of person? Because the things that are presented here are from the best minds in the world, and they are literally from all over the world, and they come here to try to bring to market ideas that they believe you're gonna want to improve your life, improve your health, or just because they're playing fun. And I look around here, and I know that here in Las Vegas, 97% of the ideas I see, no matter how cool they are, how brilliant, they're gonna fail in the marketplace. But out of those failures come tomorrow's even better ideas that hopefully will benefit your life. Technology has good and bad to it. Apple is under a lot of heat this week from its investors who are upset about how Apple devices are harming their children. I mean, think about that. You've got people who've made big money off of Apple stock, and they're upset that these devices that they willingly bought for their own kids now are hurting their kids psychologically or physically. And so technology is not all good. Just think about Kim Jong-un with his magic button. But what I see here, so much of it is so hopeful, so neat. Now, I have with me Elliot Weiler, from Consumer Reports, and you are a former TV reporter. Former TV consumer reporter. So uh, this is I, I've, this is my first time to actually come to CES, but um, we always did live interviews from CES. It's, it's always been one of those kind of, you know, market on the calendar early January, and you get to see, uh, as you said, kind of the, the shiny objects that might trickle down sometime into our lives. And you, you know, doing TV, you were always here bringing the excitement forward. Mm -hmm. Now you're wearing a different hat. You're supposed to be the techno-skeptic. I was, exactly. It's a healthy dose of skepticism at Consumer Reports. And, uh, and that's kind of what we, what we do with everything that we test, right? Because we have the very exacting testing, the rigor of what testing does. And it is, it is, it is kind of putting a lot of these claims to test, right? So, you know, the the gadgets are unveiled here. They look great. As you said, many of them will never 
make it to market, let alone our labs. You know, we're independent. We buy everything we test, and we only buy things that the consumer can buy. So if it comes to market, and in, if we deem it, you know, worthy of a test, we buy it just like you do. But so many of these are in the prototype stage that we couldn't buy it because you can't buy it. So. You've been wondering, what have you seen so far? And pick a category, any category. I feel like we're on yeah. a TV game show. <laughs> behind door number one. Yes. What's behind door number one that you saw and you were like, wow? Was, so, and uh, what is amazing to me is, is just the, the connectivity of virtually everything that you're seeing at CES, right? So it's, 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 it's not so much that there is one particular item or one particular segment or, or, or one really shiny object. It is how many of these objects are connecting to our lives either via app or Amazon Alexa or Google Home or Apple's home kit to be delivered maybe sometime this this year but the integration of all these products how they talk to one another um, how they use voice and gesture commands uh, to make all of the things that we do every day um, I guess they would argue slightly better and slightly easier so it, so that that's what has I think really just stood out the the um, the pervasiveness of kind of being always on in all these products so if you've ever seen any of the born movies mm -hmm. so you have all these now connected devices that they're going to try to get into our homes. I already have several in my house. So what's going to keep prying eyes from being able to, before you know it, they're looking in our living room or bedroom or whatever, taking over the cameras like in the movies where you see somebody crack in and they've got access to everything going on. Consumer Reports is 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 working on this constantly. There there is this idea that with all of these products there is a trade-off, right? You are you are by definition sharing something with someone else with another company. It is gathering that information. When you say Alexa, uh, you, you know, um, find me a, a Italian restaurant uh, in Los Angeles, right? I mean, it is gathering that information, sending it somewhere, getting it back. The question is, how is that information encrypted, secured? Who keeps it? For how long? Who has access to it? Um, these devices now, at least the major ones, you know, say that they don't keep it. It's not stored. It's only stored for as long as they need it. But the idea is that we are increasingly giving up those nuggets of our life in some form. And as we've seen this year, this past year, you know, hackers are more than willing to take advantage of that. And it is this sort of cat and mouse game of, you know, can the good guys stay enough ahead of the bad guys? And who has the technology um, that is able to keep the bad guys out? And I think as you connect more and more of these devices uh, through Wi-Fi and through cellular networks, this is something that we're all going to be dealing with. And there has to be some, I think, some uniform standard here that consumers can expect that if they have a device, it is going to meet a certain level of security so that they can rest assured um, that their information is protected to the best that anyone can. So we've got two layers that consumers should be concerned about. And one is the company itself, Google or Amazon or Apple or whoever, with all these connected devices in the home, what they're capturing about us. And then we also have to worry about the hackers that might get into the database itself. And I don't know about you, but see, if they hacked into my life, they would be so bored they'd fall asleep. <laughs> There's nothing exciting going on that they'd be able to draw. You know, I think, right, I think that is 
that is true. Yet I think when you look at the at the implications of the Equifax data breach, oh. right? That, that was just the numbers are mind-boggling, and to this day, people are dealing with one hundred forty-five point right? five million people and 435 members of the U.S. House and 100 members of the U.S. Senate don't care at all. They've done nothing in the aftermath of the Equifax data breach. The U.S. House of Representatives represents only the people that give them money, and they have not done anything to tell the American people, we're with you, we've got your back, we know Equifax was completely negligent here, and we're going to give you new layers to protect yourself. Nothing, not a word. Nada. We haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's so. Just imagine those scenarios then, as 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 other, um, you know, sort of databases become um, more vulnerable, right? I mean, because again, all of these, all of this inf- information is sort of you know sent back and forth and stored somewhere, albeit you know maybe not for long, but it is still there somewhere. Those nuggets of our lives, of our personal in- information, if it's a picture or if it's a bank statement or credit card transaction, whatever it happens to, to be, it is out there at some point. All right. So you're whole, let's talk about yourself. All right. So you, you see all this stuff. You now look at it with a more skeptical eye than you did before. So I, I talked before you came in how excited I was about all these new integrated security things for the home. Right, the, the cameras, cam- the doorbells. Cameras, doorbells, electronic locks, all that stuff. And now you can do these self-installed home, traditional home security systems, and right. they all integrate. Would you do any of this stuff in your own home because of everything we just talked about with the risks involved with the security? What issues? I think I would do is is make sure that I'm dealing with a trusted vendor. And, and I realize that's maybe taking the easy way out because it's not always easy for a consumer to know what a trusted vendor is. And I think particularly at CES, you see this because there are so many new companies coming to, to market. And and just because they're new doesn't mean that they're not safe. But if I'm going to be relinquishing access to my house, and that's really what I'm doing with these monitoring systems, right? I mean, there, right. there are cameras that if they're motion sensing or if they just turn on and take images every few few seconds, whatever it is, I mean, it doesn't get much more personal than what happens inside your home. So if I'm going to do that and I'm going to install it, I am going to make sure that the company and the vendor that I'm working with um, is going to protect that to a level that I am comfortable with. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Elliot Weiler from Consumer Reports, and we're at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. We're not supposed to call it that anymore, but that's the only way people understand it. I got yelled at for saying for saying that too, and I or not yelled at, but our our our, our own folks said, "No, it's CES." It's yeah, CES. Yeah. But my mom that doesn't means, know what that CES. That means nothing. Exactly. Exactly. I'm with you. So, what else here has already struck a chord with you or a nerve? So I think the vehicle tech technology is very interesting because you know Con- Consumer Reports has has really for the past two years probably spent a lot of time looking at autonomous driving, the the, the self driving technology that is out there, and and what yeah, Jake Fisher is not at all happy with the Tesla Autopilot, which I've used for over twenty thousand miles and have only had one oops moment in that twenty thousand really? miles. Yeah. yeah. Jake is the head of our auto testing, yeah. we should say. Um so he's I, a really neat guy. He is a great guy, yeah. Yeah. He, he's yeah. a race car driver on the he side. Likes speed. I didn't know if you knew that. I've been in a Tesla with him where we've gone into um 
what's it? What's the, not beast mode? What do they call it? The the really oh, fast. Uh, yeah, but, uh, insane. Insane mode. Yes, yes. I think my stomach is still settling from that. Yeah. But um, but look, I mean, the, the, the self driving stuff kind of puts automakers and regulators in this situation where someone has to take the lead here, right? Someone has to sort of um, again get some kind of recognized standards here. Um, so that's here at CES, and that's been here for 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 quite some some time. What I think is interesting in the automotive space is the artificial in in intelligence, right? The AI that, that is out there um, that, that can predict behavior. And in doing so, uh, I think the automakers would argue would make the driving experience more pleasurable and safer. And I think the AI part of it is probably uh, in the time horizon a bit shorter than some of the, we've seen some of this futuristic stuff from Nissan where you wear this, this wave cap mm-hmm. and allegedly it will predict what you're going to do. I mean, that seems very futuristic. Um, but the artificial intelligence stuff, particularly the stuff that Mercedes-Benz showed off, I mean, that, that really does seem as though it would be something that would be a benefit to a driver, both from an experience of driving, but also from a safety standpoint. So speaking of safety, in the United States, we have had a increase in the number of road deaths several years year. running. Yep. Yep. And it's because of technology. People can't take their eyes off their stupid smartphones. They have to text and and do all kinds of things on them when they should be driving you see people weaving in front of you so technology itself has made things more dangerous the same time the cars have more and more features to try to keep you out of an accident so how far are we from that turning point that or as uh gladwell would call it tipping point where the gizmos being put in the cars are going to bend that fatality rate on the road. Well, 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 we'll look at the infotainment systems, and we've done a lot oh, of yeah. re- 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 reporting on this. I mean, some of them. I was I was in a um, I was in a, a Volvo the other day where the, the where the the it looks like a tablet, you know, and, and a lot of these are, are just to do something simple, like turn the air conditioning on, turn the heat on, turn the fan up, change a radio station. You know, you've got multiple menus there. I, so I think as, look, there, there has to be that kind of sweet spot of balance of, of what the consumer can kind of handle, both from a brain processing standpoint, from a, from a safety standpoint, how much, uh, how many Im- impulses are there. Um, but you're right. I mean, the, there is that double-edged sword with the tech technology that is out there. A lot of it just in our pockets, right? How do you train yourself to put it down and concentrate? We're like Pavlov's dog with these devices. You're absolutely you know, right. They vibrate, beep, whatever. And we've got to remember our first job is to stay safe on the roads. And we seem to be having a tough time doing that. Well, Elliot Weiler from Consumer Reports, thank you so much great for Great to be here, Clark. Us. Thank you. And uh, it's great to be at this Geek Fest. <laughs> Good to be here with this, you. This is where it's chic to be a geek. That's it. That's it. CES. If you're just tuning in, we're at CES for the seventh year in a row, bringing you up to date on the things that may well be part of your life later this year or next year. Producer Kim is out on the floor finding the neatest, coolest things. Kim, what do you got right now? Hey, Clark, there is so much to see down here, but right now I am standing with David. He is with New Hera, and he's going to tell us about some intelligent earbuds. David, what you got? So IQ Buds, they're intelligent, truly wireless earbuds that give you the control to hear what you want to hear in the world around you and connect to your digital devices. So if I put one in right now, I might be able to hear you a little bit better? Exactly. It's exactly what it would do. So it, it allows you to control what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. So in an environment like this, 
you want to drop the ambient noise and elevate the speech. Exactly, that's what you can do. And how does that happen? So we've got, uh, well, it's all in the digital signal processing, but we've got a, a couple of mics and a speaker in the in the truly wireless earbuds, and you can actually customise how you hear via the app. Okay, so it's all, it's controlled. You set up and controlled by the app, and then you orchestrate how you hear the world around you via tap touch on the, uh, on the hearable. That's very yeah. cool. What we're launching, very excited about this, what we're launching this year is IQ Buds Boost. Now IQ Buds Boost takes the whole concept of personalization and personalized hearing to a whole new level. So what Boost is gonna allow you to do via our Ear ID software, right? It's gonna allow you to measure your hearing thresholds and then we will analyze those thresholds through an AI engine and then calibrate your IQ buds to your own hearing profile. So it's essentially taking this whole concept of personalization and intelligent amplification to another level that makes it just unique to your hearing, your hearing profile. So if I was getting to the point that maybe I might need a hearing aid occasionally, could I get away with using this instead? Absolutely, absolutely. it's very much designed for people who have got sort of mild to moderate hearing challenges, mm -hmm. okay? Um, yeah, so it works very well for that, absolutely. Because awesome. what we're doing is we're using a software solution that is actually used by a large number of audiologists around the world. When could a consumer find them? So they're uh, you're available for pre-order sign up now on our website, okay? So just go to newhearer.com and they'll be available at the end of March, early April. Okay, and how yeah. much do they cost? The IQ Buds are $2.99. Um, obviously, the Air ID is going to be more than that. We haven't made a final decision on price. But it'll be sort of between four hundred and five hundred dollars. Okay. And uh, yeah, we're very confident it's going to make a big impact for the forty million people in the U.S. that are hearing challenged. How about that, Clark? Earbuds designed to help you hear better. Kim, I'm so glad you found this because this new Hera product is part of a new wave that's going to make it so much more affordable for people and more approachable for people to deal with hearing loss. It's one of the areas that I hear so much unhappiness from people about hearing aids, how expensive they are, how uncomfortable they are, how frustrated they are by them. And this is a great breakthrough in what's called at this show, the hearable market. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on The Clark Howard Show where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com's our main website. And by the way, we are broadcasting on the floor of the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, known simply as CES, seventh year running at CES. And if you have a tech question, you have a tech comment, you wanna talk about something technology related, I'd love to be able to answer that for you on tomorrow's show. Go to clark.com slash ask. Post your question for me about technology. And hey, maybe we'll have that right on the air for you tomorrow because it really is overwhelming. With 4,000 exhibitors exhibiting multiple thousands beyond that of products, you see the hits, you see the misses, and you see the ones that you think are going to be nothing and end up to be huge but it is such an incredible experience the variety 
of things that are here at CES. I wanted to talk about one in particular, Carrier, which is a huge air conditioning company. I talked about this two, three years ago when there was talk about this coming to market, and now it's here ready for you. How about being able to heat or cool your home at one-third the cost of what it is today? One-third. If you've ever heard the term SEER, that's Seasonal Energy Efficiency Ratio. You look at any cooling system, and it'll always have the SEER number. SEERs are usually 13 or 14 on units, and it is a simple math formula how much it's going to cost to cool your home. Well, this new carrier system is a 42 SEER. Do the simple math. It means that it will cut the cost of cooling your home to one-third of what you pay now. You pay 200 a month, you're going to pay 60-something a month, or whatever the multiple is or division is for your bill. How do they do it? Okay, so when I saw the prototype a couple of years ago, it was not like ready for prime time like what I've seen here on the floor. Carrier is using a system that if you dial back in time before central air and central heat, people used to zone each room. In fact, in a lot of countries in the world, that's still how heating and cooling is done. Think about window units that you'll see, particularly in the Northeast US. But this is what's known as ductless heating and cooling. Right now, in a home that has central heat or air, there's ducts that go all around, maybe through the attic or wherever, and there's enormous loss in efficiency in heating and cooling from that ductwork. The idea of ductless heating and cooling is that every room in your home or condo or apartment is basically zoned. And so there's no loss of efficiency from the outdoor unit to heating or cooling a specific dwelling or a specific room in a dwelling. And this is a massive change and is very important if you live in an extremely hot climate or extremely cold climate because the the number of degrees difference between the outside temperature and inside for heating and cooling becomes really key in what you're going to end up having to pay in total. So I am just ecstatic about this. I hate wasting money. And so I talk about all the ways to be efficient. I have solar at my house. I am drive an electric car. I'm really, really into reducing my energy consumption. But it always ultimately needs to be about your wallet. And being able to do something more efficiently that saves nothing but money is absolutely my kind of deal. And for my family, that's always complaining that our house is too cold in the cold weather months and too hot in the hot weather months because I'm so cheap, the thermostats are dialed up. Imagine if everybody was in control 
of their own living space and at the same time was able to do so at a tiny fraction of the cost of what it is right now to eat or cool. Now, obviously, Carrier is not going to be the only people doing something like this, but they were big with their exhibit here at CES in Las Vegas. But, of course, like everything else here, it's connected to your smartphone. So you're able to control exactly what's going on with heating and cooling in every room of your house. And I just want you to think about the the breadth and depth of everything that's here. Uh, something I saw yesterday was an autonomous vehicle that's already in use in Munich, Germany, and there's a tiny test of it going on right now in Maryland. This autonomous vehicle is designed to provide transportation on regular streets, not freeways, to someone who is severely disabled or elderly. So somebody can get in this thing who is blind or vision, that's not the current term, vision impaired, or somebody who's who can't hear or has who knows what level of physical disability or mental disability, and the autonomous vehicle drives the person to where they want to go. It will seat eight people, but it's designed as a vehicle that would take an individual from wherever you are to wherever you're going, be able to navigate traffic, navigate roads, and again, this isn't vaporware, this is already on the road and is one of the kinds of things that changes lifestyle and creates mobility and opportunity. You know, in the United States, we have a rapidly aging population and more and more families have to have the uncomfortable conversation where they take an aging parent's keys away. And in most of the country, we don't have good public transportation. It's just not part of our culture. And so you take somebody's keys away, you've taken away his or her freedom. And yeah, there's mobility options with Lyft and Uber, right, to some degree, but you still have the loss of freedom. So as autonomous vehicles become, instead of buzz words, they become so much a part of the future, it's going to change people's quality of life. No doubt, no question. Al is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Al, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Al, have you ever been interested in seeing all this junk I'm seeing out here in Las Vegas? I would love to see that. I'm very interested in the new technology and stuff. It's really shocking, the stuff you see that you're like, I never really thought about that. If you go back 10 years ago to the original iPhone, nobody ever (laughs) knew they'd have a need for a smartphone like that. And now look at how much it has integrated into people's lives with the iPhones and Androids. Yes. So you have a tech question for me, don't you? 
Yeah, I am, I'm interested in going to streaming and cutting the cable cord, but there's so much out there right now, and I'm sure technology is evolving on a daily basis. Uh, my question is about streaming. Uh, I have a smart TV, and uh, I'm looking at what equipment do I need when I cut the cable cord, uh, and what is the best streaming carrier out there? You know, I hear YouTube and Hulu and all kinds of different companies that are doing this. But what do you see out there at the convention that might be coming up in the next year? So it's hard to hear you here, but the question specifically is about the idea of which is the best of the streaming services to use. Is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. And also, so what, I have, what equipment does... Go ahead. What equipment do you need? Yeah, if you've got a smart TV, what do you need to carry this so it if your TV is a smart TV, as long as the apps on it include the streaming service you want, there's no problem, there's nothing you need to do special other than with the smart TV remote, you go to whatever the setting is, like on Vizio, you go to Vizio Cast. On Samsung, right. you go to their equivalent button. And as long as it has the specific service like the YouTube TV or Hulu, or um, whichever of the streams you want to do, you're good to go. Now, there is no one best streaming service. They all have pluses and minuses, and they're all at different price points. How much do you want to spend a month? What would, what would be the comfort zone price point for you for streaming television? Well, I'd be looking at around $30, $35, I guess. Okay. So... Uh, 35 is a very comfortable area there. You've got Sling.com, which its basic package starts at 20. But if you want a really thorough replacement for your existing television service, I have a big bias that YouTube.tv, in other words, not.com, YouTube.tv is the absolute best offer out there in terms of the capabilities you have of watching not just on that smart TV but on your phone, a tablet, a laptop, wherever you are you're able to watch the TV, you have a DVR that's unlimited so you can record all the programming you want Al and watch it when and where you want and how many people are in your household? Just my wife and I, we're uh, senior citizens. Alright, so with the two of you you're good because YouTube.tv, you won't be arguing or fighting over the remote because you can be watching two different shows at the same time. So YouTube.tv is where I try first. And if you don't like it, the next would be $5 more. I would say the Hulu product that is available, which is called Hulu Live, would be the next one that I'd be most likely to try. So try those first and see if it doesn't make you really happy to cut the cord. Clark Howard here in Las Vegas at CES every year. My goal, to bring you ideas, inventions that may well be part of your future. Producer Kim has been out and about looking for things that she really is excited about. Kim, what have you seen right now? 
Well, Clark, I am seeing so much, but right now in front of me is Larry. He's with Guardian, and he's going to tell us about a product that's going to help prevent us from having water leaks in our home. Guardian is the first of its kind DIY whole house flood and leak prevention system. How does it work? How does it, it's magical, right? Right. Yeah. And everything so here is. It, it, it really, no, this truly is a magical product. This product is, is a DIY, so that means you don't have to hire a plumber. It, it goes right over the existing quarter-turn ball valve, and, and then you set up the leak sensors. And it comes with an app, of course, and then you set up the leak sensors. And the leak sensors are very unique. We put in a 15-year battery. You know what the problem is with a lot of these smart devices? You burn through batteries. Sure. So 15 years, right? It will not only detect water with these, but will detect um, heat. So if you say the temperature in your home gets to 45 degrees, we're going to send you a notice. We're not going to shut it off yet. We're going to send you a notice. When it gets to 40 degrees, we're, then we're going to shut it off to prevent for, uh, frozen pipes. Well, you're going to get frozen pipes anyways, but you're not going to get the, the you're pipe. You're not going to bust your pipes right, because you're not bust the water pipe. starts flowing right. again. So yeah. this is radio. Let's describe for everybody what exactly we're looking at. How big is your product that's fitting over these pipes? So it's approximately eight inches in length. All right. It's designed to fit over, like I said, your existing ball valve. Okay. Then you have the leak detectors. The leak detectors are going to be placed in the common places, like by a toilet. That's actually, I didn't know this. That's number one for leaks. Toilets, washing machines, number two. But it has a top tray. It'll detect the first drop of water. Or if the water spills to the bottom of it and it touches the, the sensors, it'll, it'll shut the water off. And so when it detects water, is there an app that goes along with it Correct. that I get a notification You're going from? to get a notification via the cloud, right? And here's the other beautiful thing. We use a proprietary wireless technology with our, between our water sensors and the Guardian. So if you see your internet goes down, your Wi-Fi's out, what's going to happen? Well, we're still going to shut your water off. What about if your power goes out? Now you really have a problem, right? We're still going to shut your water off if you purchase the optional battery backup. So, Very cool. So kind of a foolproof system. I will tell you some, a quick story. We went to see one of the major retailers. He called us right after the meeting and he said, it was like you guys were selling magic. <laughs> <laughs> when could someone buy some magic like this? You could buy this magic today on Amazon.com. You awesome. will in the future be able to buy it at Home Depot, True Value, Ace Hardware, and that's it right now. And we are a very price sensitive program, so how much does this sell for? It's the Guardian water, the valve controller with the three leak sensors, it's $3.99 retail. Hmm. If you purchase one, immediately call your insurance company they will definitely give you a discount in your policy. That's awesome. So it's gonna pay for itself in a couple of years anyways. How about that, Clark? A way to prevent a plumbing catastrophe before it actually happens. Well, Kim, as someone who has suffered from severe water leaks in his home before, I am all over this. You may be thinking, $400? Why would I ever spend that? But of course, you may get the savings on insurance, as you heard. But dealing with a water leak is a massive pain in the rear end and the wallet. So just another of the kind of ideas that are coming out of CES that can change your life in ways big and small. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm so excited to be with you today on the Clark Howard Show, where we're broadcasting from CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. After being here year after year, this is my seventh consecutive year at CES, I learned so much about me in a weird sort of way and that I am such a gadget freak that I get too excited when I see things and I finally learned that I've got to really think through where it fits in your life and my life. But this year at CES, and by the way, our web address, Clark.com, speaking of tech, we don't think of websites as tech anymore, do we? Think about when that was like incredible breakthrough tech. And ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. But there's something I wanted to talk with you about right now. And it involves something that is big buzz here. And it's the end of net neutrality, where the giant monopoly cable companies and phone companies, Verizon, and this was all Verizon's boy, who runs the FCC, that did Verizon's bidding, and made it possible for Verizon and Comcast and Charter and AT&T, the big four of the monopolies for access to internet at your home, to be in a position to put up toll gates and decide what content you could see on your computer or your phone or your tablet or whatever, and to be in a position to hold people for ransom and say, well, if you want people to see what you're writing, what you're saying, what you're doing, or the video that you're presenting, you're going to have to pay us first or we're going to block it or we don't like what you're saying. So we're not going to let people see it. I mean, this is absolutely infuriating to me and it is so diametrically opposed to what free speech is supposed to be about in the United States. But this was all a political payoff to these monopolies. But I will tell you something I had a hunch about when this corrupt action happened in Washington is I am so optimistic, I'm still angry about the corruption involved in giving these monopolies this kind of power. But why I'm so optimistic is it's clear as could be at CES that we are on the verge of a breakthrough in choice, which is the best outcome imaginable because of a new technology that is labeled by the overly simplistic tag 5G. We, later this year, in a number of American cities, are going to see high-speed internet, ultra-high-speed internet, 
quicker than most of us have at our homes right now, offered through wireless networks. You know, Google was doing a big push for several years for something called Google Fiber. And with a great splash and media coverage, the Google Fiber was going to come in all over America, starting in big cities, starting, they started first in Kansas City, and that they were going to offer ultra-high speed internet to people's homes. And we're going to offer television if you wanted it. And they were going to do so at a fraction of the cost of the existing monopolies. Well, Google faced lawsuits everywhere they went from the monopolies who didn't want to give up their monopoly positions, who blocked them every way they could using local political officials that blocked Google going on the, the polls that they needed to go to to bring Google Fiber to your homes. And Google finally, after wasting billions of dollars, said, we can't beat these people. They're too entrenched, they're too politically powerful, and Google has been biding its time waiting for new technology. Well, that new technology that Google and others will be able to use is going to be partially available this year and steadily more available in 2019 and by 2020 it will be a common alternative where people will be able to have ultra high speed internet access on the go on their phone or at home or at a business you'll be able for example here at CES this is really crazy but we don't have Wi-Fi on the show floor I know that's weird but we don't and so what do you do well coming back in a year probably that won't be an issue because I'll be able right over a 5g system be able to have much faster internet than we have in our home right now so this is exciting you're going to see in about oh maybe six to ten cities major metro areas by the second half of this year you're going to see offerings start to pop up for fixed wireless t-mobile is taking a whole different approach to this t-mobile is going to offer you a combo thing that will be ultra ultra high speed on your phone or any mobile device and at the same time ultra high speed when you're stationary and the best part is that it will be unlimited the breakthrough with 5g is not just in the speed but it's also in the capacity and the only reason you would ever face a data cap is because some rotten terrible monopoly is trying to bend your wallet to their will when the truth is the technology is going to eliminate any marketplace reason that one of these monopolies would try to restrict how much internet access you had and try to gouge you for overages so yeah I'm still sore as I could be about the whole net neutrality thing going away but at the same time the best answer of all is that these brainiacs that are presenting here at CES come up with new ways to do things 
And those new ways are what are going to make this go away as a problem. And once and for all, eliminate the power of these monopolies that harm economic activity in the United States, harm economic growth, and hurt your and my wallet with monopoly kind of prices and bad service. Richard is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Richard. Good afternoon, Clark. How are you? Oh, good. I'm doing great. Richard, how can I be of service to you? I want to talk to you about the uh, high-speed Internet that's coming, or it might already be here with that uh, company that, that you just now talked about. And, um Yes. And what phones are going to be uh, capable of getting that high-speed uh, Internet? Is that, are they going to be the high-end? Is- yeah, so at first, um, T-Mobile is calling it the very exciting marketing term, LTE-A. And there are a number of people exhibiting at all price points phones that will operate on LTE-A that are showing it here at CES. Right now, there's just a small handful. The first phone that operated LTE-A was from um, LG. And LG had it available on the LG V30, which is the new flagship phone for them. And then there are a number of Samsung phones that are being rolled out that support LTE-A. But none of the Apple phones are supporting LTE-A. But the Chinese, some of the very low-cost Chinese phones are offering phones with LTE-A. But this is only a T-Mobile thing right now, Richard. And there's some uh, information available that you can get at a T-Mobile store to make sure that a phone you're considering buying will run on this frequency. And do you know there's two parts to where this is helpful? One of them is, Richard, is coverage in rural areas, which has always been a real weak spot for T-Mobile, is that the coverage now blankets areas that before you had no signal at all. Then the second aspect is having the much, much faster internet that is somewhat equivalent to what I was talking about with the 5G. This is um, in tests, operates at about 80% of the speed of what's being promoted for 5G. So it's a completely different experience. And what will happen is with a phone with LTEA, you'll enter something and it will present the information back to you quicker than your eyes can realize that the screen has changed. And that's why it's so neat. And Richard, you are T-Mobile right now or not? Yeah, I am. And I've been up to the store and I just really can't get a straight answer out of these people. Um, and uh, So they haven't been briefed well yet? Yeah, I think that's what it is. And do you know if Samsung has already come out with a phone yet or, or you don't know? My, under, my understanding 
is that Samsung has two phones so far that will run on LTE-A, but let me tell you what I'll do for you. I will, uh, it's hard to find exhibitors with over 4,000 here. I'll try to find the T-Mobile people here at CES, and I'll try to get a straight answer from their tech people, which are the phones that support LTE-A that are available now, and we'll update that list on our cell phone guide on Clark.com. Okay, sounds great. Now, uh, how about hotspotting? Will that increase on if you if you hotspot from your phone to your tablet or whatever? Will that uh, speed increase too, or without? That's up to T-Mobile. That's up to any provider if they will give you the same speed throughput on a hotspot from your phone, because T-Mobile gives you. Uh, LTE for the first 10 gigs on a device, on a, t on a tablet or a laptop, you're running from your phone. And then after that, they dumb it down. I don't know what they're going to do with people who have LTE-A capable phones running on those frequencies. And so I appreciate that question. I'll try to get an answer for you to that, too. So yeah, a lot. Because that. Go ahead. Because that's what I'm doing now. I'm hotspotting from my T-Mobile phone to my tablet to get my internet. Because you know I don't have internet coming into the house. I just use my phone. So that's. So you run out pretty quickly. You know, one of the things that's going to matter for you, Richard, and for others, is that some of the phones being shown here are foldable, and they give you a screen space opened up as big as you have from a tablet. And then that wouldn't be an issue anymore. You'd be able to use your phone as a phone and as a tablet at the same time. It would still fit in the palm of your hand. I'm so glad you've been with us today at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Producer Kim has been out and about looking for neat, neat gadgets that excite her. Kim, bring excitement home to your fellow listener. Well, this is an interesting one, Clark. I don't know if it's going to bring excitement for everyone, but this is right up my alley because it's a product that I've actually really wanted to see for quite some time now. I'm looking at the Gemini phone and tell me what's your name and tell me about the Gemini phone. My name is Chris Bignall from Planet Computing, a UK-based uh, startup company uh, which has created a product called Gemini, which is reminiscent of the personal digital assistance from the 1990s in that it has a full touch screen but also a full physical keyboard which enables you to type in much more easier fashion than you know, on a touch screen. Yeah, it is incredibly retro looking but yep. it also reminds me of the smartphone that I currently carry. This. For sure. If you imagine a normal touch screen mobile phone that has attached to it of the same size a keyboard a physical qwerty keyboard and then when you close those two together over a hinge it turns into a smartphone sized uh, device that is very neat and tidy and um, can then be opened up as a sort of media consumption device awesome. or indeed as something that you can type on and when it's closed can i still use it as a phone of course you can yes That's indeed fantastic. when when somebody calls you you just press a button on the end there mm -hmm. and that answers the call and if you're wondering who's calling you, there are a bunch of LED lights on the outside that you can program 
to uh, set up for different people. If my if my friend is calling, it's red and white. If my office is calling, it's blue and right. Whatever it might be. How is the computing speed on it? It's very fast. It's a 10-core processor um, with four uh, gig of RAM and and uh, 64 gig of memory, which is also expandable through a, a micro SD card. What made you guys decide to create this? The CEO of the company always felt that there was a great opportunity to have a physical keyboard for people who need to type on the go and also give people the opportunity to put something that fits into a coat pocket rather than having to carry a laptop everywhere. That is just awesome. And did you guys win an Innovation Award this year? Yes, we won the CES Innovation Award. We're a CES Innovation Honoree, which was a fantastic thrill for us. Congratulations. And we're launching, yeah, thank you. And we're launching the product now. It's... Um, it's shipping to our backers. We had an incredibly successful Indiegogo program, which raised a fantastic amount of money and showed how much love there was for the product. We're shipping to our backers on Indiegogo this month, so the product will be available shortly after that. That's awesome. And what is the price point? So the price point will be for a 4G and Wi-Fi version, $599. And do you have another version? Yeah, we have a Wi-Fi only version at $499. How about that, Clark? A really retro PDA-based product here at CES where everything is about super, super high-tech. Kim, I am really mad at you. I just got a new Android cell phone that I'm thrilled with, and now you tell me I need this new PDA that also is a cell phone that gives me a great keyboard that I can type on, and for $599 with LTE, I really am frustrated with you. But if you're frustrated with typing on a traditional phone and being able to type really fast on the go, this is a brilliant idea. Thanks for sharing it with us. And you can see more about this on Clark.com. We'll have a briefing for you along with all the other products that Kim has shown you at CES. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 